Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Welcome into another Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Leela McRae. Joe Deck with me, like always. We are recording on Memorial Day, so just to kick off the show the right way, we want to uh, take this time to thank uh, service members for their service and, and, and remember those that gave their lives. So just to say that right off the top, because that's what we've been doing all day, all weekend. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's always nice to make sure we have this day to, to do that and actually think about that. Yeah, it right, is. Jeff? And, uh, <laughs> I, you know, as you said, appreciate the sacrifice of all the men and women in our service. And uh, we thank the ones that are still serving today to keep us free yes. and uh, allow us to be able to have uh, the freedoms that we do enjoy in this country. So, so to celebrate that, let's talk about those freedoms. And the way we do that most is looking at sports and watching sports and talking endlessly about sports. So we will kick off with the high school baseball where we normally do. And what was an interesting week in high school baseball where we saw Fort Defiance go down to Stanton, Stanton getting their first win of the season against one of the strongest teams in the district. Um, and then it just seems like everybody's beating up on each other with gap and draft having a close game. That's now being contended because of an innings rule. So pitch just, we saw everything this week. Uh, yeah, a pitching, uh, a innings rule for pitching. So let's go back to that fourth game where they lost to Stanton. And I'm just, I'm happy that Stanton got a win here. I was worried that they had kind of gone through one cycle without a win. And I was worried they might go the rest of the way without a win. So I was, I was pumped for coach loss that, that they got that victory. Yeah. It's a big win for Stanton for sure. Um, for Fort, it kind of sick, you know, was just part of a bad week. Fort did not have a good week. They lost a lot of games, uh, kind of the district got away from them a little bit, uh, this week. In fact, it's, it's to the point now where I kind of like Wilson after this first cycle to be able to come out and win the district. So uh, Riverhead's obviously still very much alive and Fort's not out of it. If Fort, you know, wins out, they've, I think they can still control their own destiny to a certain extent. Um, But it's going to be tougher now for Fort for sure. Um, But it it is a huge win for Stanton and coach loss. And it's great to see those kids get a win and nobody in the Shenandoah district in terms of baseball is going winless. Yeah, and, and, and it's fun to see everybody competitive. It's, it's fun to see that, you know, team that was on the bottom of the standings get a win against a team that had spent most of the first part of the season on the top of the rankings and, and probably top in our thought logic for these teams. So the, the interesting thing is this draft-gap game. Gap goes and gets a, a big win against Stewart's draft, and then it's under con- contention there because there's an innings limit, limit had been reached by, I believe, a, a, a Buffalo Gap pitcher. So... Yeah, we have to wait and see how that gets sorted out, but it's probably going to mean that game ends up a forfeit. I, I mean, if it's if it's gone this many days being talked about, like that's probably where we're headed. Yeah, so it is a pitch count rule in the VHSL now, not an innings limit. Uh, Any, okay, my bad, yeah, my bad. it's the number of pitches you're allowed to throw. And this pitcher, uh, looking at their schedule, if he threw against Fort, which was a game they won, then yeah, that's going to be another problem uh, for them. So. Because the Stanton, the draft game did go into extra innings. It went into one extra inning, to be uh, specific. It went in eight, and then they won in eight innings. But if that pitcher goes longer than he's supposed to, then then Buffalo Gap has to forfeit. Uh, it is a rule that's been in place for several years now. Um, so it's just one of those things you got to keep track of it. And I, you know, 
I don't know enough about the individual circumstance here to know if Buffalo Gappa is going to lose this game or not. Uh, like you said, I think the longer this goes, the less comfortable I would feel as a Buffalo Gap fan, because if it was cut and dry, we didn't violate the pitching limit, that you'd be able to look at the book and say, see, we didn't violate the pitching limit, and it would be done. Yeah. Um, but the fact that it's still going on is a little troubling if I'm a Buffalo Gap fan. Uh, for Stewart's draft, that win would maybe be enough to get them in the playoffs. I think without that, I think you're looking at no two B teams from the Shenandoah district in. Uh, I like Wilson to be the representative in three C and that might be it this year in baseball. Well, other than that'd be crazy to have Fort be out, but I mean, that's what this last week did to Fort. Yeah. Other than Riverheads, Riverheads will be in. I forgot about them. Yeah. Riverheads is in They're tied atop region one B with Rappahannock County. Um, and Riverheads was supposed to play a game. We were supposed to see another Wilson Riverheads game this past week. It got rained out. So that gets pushed ahead like a week and a half. Um, but it's a big week around the district anyway, because this week um, Riverheads will play Fort Defiance at the end of the week, which is a game I kind of had circled since last time those two teams played. And that's a big game with Riverheads beating Fort last time. I know Fort Defiance had a lot of errors in that game, but. You know, who's to say they don't do that again or Riverheads even plays even better and doesn't need theirs to beat them. But if Fort loses that game, then, yeah, like you're you're really looking on them being on the outside and looking for probably help to get into the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think there's a well, I guess it's an eight team field, so I'd need to look at the ratings. There's, you get that wild card or whatever. Yeah, uh, the problem is there's a lot of good teams over in the Monticello district. So I just that are playing other class three teams to get more points. So I would just be worried about that if I was Fort. Um, but yeah, you're right. Riverheads has a big week. They play Fort, uh, draft and gap is on the schedule for Wilson. So it's kind of a take care of business and potentially lock up the district kind of week for Wilson, or at least make sure you're in the driver's seat. Uh, you're in the driver's seat that, that Riverheads Wilson rematch that got pushed back. We can have, I think that's still a driving force. For sure. Half of the season. If Fort beats Riverheads, that can kind of take care yeah, of that though. Yeah. Hey, we can talk about that next week, right? Right. <laughs> All right. So a lot of plenty of good baseball action. I'm hopefully going to be at that Riverheads Fort Defiance game. We're going to see how things work out. But, uh, I, yeah, Wilson's in the driver's seat at the moment, just just shifted into it. Um, but they could really help themselves this week. So in softball, Fort Defiance, they are in cruise control right now. In softball, they're at 7-1. and one. You do have... A few two-loss teams in softball. Wilson's at three and two. Gap is at four and two, and Draft is at three and two. So those teams are still within shouting distance. But Fort Defiance has looked like the dominant team so far this year in softball, and it looks like the Shenandoah District is going to be theirs to lose. Riverheads and Stanton still looking for their first wins in softball. Yeah, and Riverheads hasn't played a lot of games. Um, usually, a, a pretty strong softball program. So. I, I think they've just been battling with, with not having as many games. They're just not up to speed when, they, when, when they've come back here. So Stanton, we have seen them down for some years here. So um, not as shocking with that record, but you do just tend to look at the top of there. And Fort Defiance, I mean, they're going to they, they're gonna have this district. And they, they can kind of cruise through this back half of the district and be the representative 4-3C from the Shenandoah district. And I mean, Lillian Barry just continues to lead them, but they, they got help all over the field. I mean, when you read their 
you know, press clippings each night of their games. And, and they have a lot of help to Lillian Barry. You know, she's playing well every game, but other girls are really stepping up, getting things done. And that's what you need at that level to, to have any hope of coming out of 3C. You're going to need plenty of help getting 3C out of there. Yeah, and it, I agree with you. And, I mean, that's going to be the the real deciding factor is not in terms of necessarily the district, but how, how deep you go into the region there. So we'll see how they do. Um, in soccer on the boys side, Stanton Wilson, they're going to have the, that regular season finale that you look forward to. And I, I just, when it comes to boys soccer, I just don't see anything else really playing a factor. Stanton is going to be in the postseason. Uh, in 2B, they're a two-seed right now, and they have some cushion. But then you drop all the way to draft at eight is the next closest, and Ooh. they've they're like four points behind the fourth-place team, so they're not going to make it. Uh, Wilson is in a very good spot. They're undefeated with one draw. So is Stanton. And again, I think the district is decided in you know what is a de facto Shandua district championship m- match the last game of the season at Stanton and that's on June 7th. So we'll see what they do there on the boys side, uh, on the girls side, you're looking at draft right now. They're hanging in there. They're sitting in the fourth spot, but they have Madison County right behind them. Strasburg in sixth, just over a point back. So they kind of can't afford to slip up. And unfortunately they're at three and three and the class three teams in the Shenandoah district and Fort and Wilson are very much in control of that district on the girls soccer side. Yeah. And those, and those aren't surprises. Those are kind of the teams we were talking about at the beginning of the season. I, you know, probably being as clean as they are, it might be the, like what as I open it. And, and that's good. I mean, they're showing their domination against teams that just aren't up to par with where you are. And, and the Shenandoah district soccer on the girls side is just not the strongest. So those teams are doing what they can with, with that competition, and we'll see what they're able to do in the postseason. They also will have kind of a de facto championship, although Fort did beat Wilson at Wilson 2 nothing to kind of be undefeated. Wilson's girls have that one loss, but they play again last game of the year. That's June 9th for the girls' soccer. So moving to other sports going on at the college level, let's talk about Softball, Virginia Tech softball yes. was in the yes. Super Regional. They won game one, and then game two didn't go great, and game three they couldn't pull out. And UCLA is the number two team in the number two seed in the region or number two seed in the country for a reason. And Virginia Tech, unfortunately, despite winning that first game, couldn't find a way to win either of the last two. And I think from watching this weekend, I think to beat those really elite teams, you're just going to have to have more than one pitcher. I think. I think to win at this point in the season, having a second pitcher is, you would think, a standard and what you got to have. I think there's ways to get by. We'll talk about that in a second. But against UCLA, against that you know perennial all-time team, what they are, you're going to have to have a second pitcher. And, and Virginia Tech didn't have that. They had a really great pitcher. And then also, I will commend their coaching staff at having that team ready to play against that ace pitcher from UCLA and and came out firing and and really put a beat down on UCLA that first game but UCLA you know kind of rose to the top after that and and took care of business and it was fun it was fun to watch that team 
you know, watching between them and JMU, who we'll talk about here, I, I had a lot of fun watching that this weekend, last two weekends. And um, I'm, I'm sad that we had to lose Tech, but that UCLA team really is good. I just, I loved seeing them on their heels on Friday night. I loved seeing them kind of, or Thursday night, kind of shocked that they were getting beat so bad. And, and the announcers came into that game all prepared for UCLA just to dismantle this, you know, unseated team. And UCLA got their butts beat. And, and that's what I love about baseball when you can get the surprising outcome there. But to do it multiple games is, is even tougher. And Virginia Tech lived that this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I didn't watch the first game, so... Oh, it was a beatdown. It was awesome. Yeah, and I, I can't comment. I know you and your group texts, and then you shared some of it, was saying that the announcers were being pro-UCLA. I mean, I do think some of that is they know UCLA is the better team, so... Yeah. I don't know. When, but, when we're beating them down, it was it was hard to hear that. I just... If, if, we're, if we just could have come back in one of those other two games and had anything go for us uh it would have been very satisfying but it didn't go that way yeah but let's talk about the team from virginia that is still alive and that is jmu they went uh remember last week i said being the number two seed in knoxville was actually a blessing that's a region you can win they did now you get the eight seed instead of the one seed and they beat mizzou they won game one in a thriller two to one where the strike zone disappeared and a man needs to be homeless because he couldn't find the strike zone to save his life behind the plate. But he changes the strike zone. I mean, it wasn't even fine. Oh my gosh. Pitch is right in the corner. And he's like, no. And I was, I mean, I, it's a good thing. I wasn't around people watching that game because I was cursing (laughs) at, at the disappearance of that strike zone. But, I was with you. Everybody was with you. Game two, I knew very early I could shut it off. Oh, so I yeah. appre- in, a, in a way, I appreciate that from JMU Softball. Just let me know, hey, this one's not for you. So I checked out, <laughs> did some other stuff that needed to be done this weekend. And then game three, I sat down got a little worried in the first inning when the first hitter takes Odyssey Alexander deep again. And I was like, uh-oh. But JMU buckles down, only gives up the one run there gets the lead, gives up another solo home run to make it 3-2, to two. and then in the seventh inning, a home plate umpire after my heart. Great call behind the plate. I mean, sure, if you're looking at the video evidence, Odyssey Alexandra was tagged technically before she touched home. But, hey, one, we don't have review, and even if we had Major League Baseball review, they wouldn't be able to overturn that because I've seen far worse upheld in Major League Baseball. So, in my eyes, it counts. Great job by the umpire behind the plate doing his job there, making up for game one's mistakes and um jmu wins a runaway against missouri the thing and i was doing a little trash talking uh to my buddy while i was watching uh the game and chatting on online with uh through the ps4 but um the girl from missouri they showed her like going into the seventh and you can see on her face like tears are already starting they're down seven to two they haven't even like gotten it out yet they haven't started the bottom of the seventh but the tears are starting, and I just I said, look at her. She knows what's about to happen. She knows they've lost. This is what sports is all about, the pain of defeat, especially after you were talking trash about how we only have one pitcher. And unfortunately, you didn't hit that pitcher enough. So yeah. now you go out. And, of course, she's the final out, which, mwah, chef's kiss. Now, 
She did rip a ball, but right at the third baseman who caught it. Eeks. That that yep. ended it. JMU advancing to the Women's College World Series for the first time in program history, and they'll probably have to do it through the loser's bracket because remember when I said it was great to be the two-seed in Tennessee, and then you get to beat the eight-seed instead of having to play Oklahoma? Well, now you have to play Oklahoma. So I, I mean, it is, though, they've reached the, the milestone plateau. Yes. You know, the area Anything else is gravy. This is a, a non-Power 5, un- uh, seeded team getting here. This is what they built up with the years of Megan Good and a young Odyssey Alexander. This is what they've built to. What Mickey Dean really got going, and uh, with Laporte on the staff, and Laporte kept going. Now, I mean, this is what they've built to. So you got to take satisfaction as a fan that you're here. This yep. is where you wanted to go, and you got to be happy with that. The players, they they need to go in there expected to beat Oklahoma and play Oklahoma. As a fan, take some satisfaction of where you got to. And, and then hope for the best. I mean, maybe, you know, you get these one-game situations here, and you just never know what can happen in one game. I don't like the matchup with Oklahoma, but JMU facing then an Oklahoma State or a Georgia, you know, like, why, why couldn't they beat one of those teams in the loser bracket and, and see where it goes from there? So I, I, anything can happen. You never know what can happen. I, you wouldn't think Virginia Tech can knock off UCLA. Why can't JMU knock off? That's what we're hoping for. I, I, I can't wait for those games. Noon on Thursday when they start. Um, and then there's all sorts of the scenarios of where they play, when they play, if they lose or win. So have to look online for that. But it's just been fun. I really enjoyed watching the softball this weekend. Having both Virginia Tech and Tech go in there was just fun, kind of going back and forth, watching the games one night, watching both of them at the same time. Um, but, yeah, that final game. We watched the beginning at our house, but then leaving for vacation, had it on my phone going down the road, and we had it playing through those car speakers. And uh, so it that's was why you awesome. wanted to stop texting. To watch you. it in that way, even though it wasn't optimal, uh, just because like there was urgency of we know we'll lose internet when we go over this mountain. They gotta finish this game before then, and it worked out. So it was awesome, and uh, just the the characters on that team, that Meeks girl, that third base, who when she gets a hit like shimmies. It's awesome. Um, and then you have Odyssey Alexander who is just seems stoic so often. And like you saw her rattled for the first time. I was going to say, I don't know if stoic is the word I would use. She's very, um, yeah. Generally jet her entire career. Every time I'd watched her, you wouldn't see that much emotion. She got rattled on Friday night when the strike zone disappeared. And then on Saturday when it just wasn't, you know, the whole, nothing was going right. But for her to kind of get through that game, give up some big plays, kind of just play right through it. She didn't drop her head back down. She didn't get rattled again, kept fighting through just to see like her celebrate there in that moment. Cause as much as these other super seniors, they have like um, Katie Gordon from page County and uh, the Meeks girl and, and all of them that are go- really good. Jubas, all of them that are so good. It, it is, it is Odyssey's team. Like is Odyssey's the one on the mound every important pitch that they have, they have her in the circle. So to see her be able to get all the way through that game, get the job done, get that final out and then see that great celebration out of her. It was, uh, it was just really satisfying to see that. And as much as I like tech softball, that's where I graduated from. And and I'm always a fan. If it's orange and maroon, this JMU softball team is who I've been watching for years now. Because, because Megan good had been playing there back in the day. I know all these super seniors they have, those kids were on the team back then and and the ladies got it done and 
I enjoyed seeing them finally get what they've been wanting. You know, when Megan Good was there, when they're hosting LSU in a super regional back then, that's what they wanted to get. They wanted to get to the College World Series. They were right on the doorstep of it, unable to get there. Tried and failed a couple times since to finally get there. It was just, it was really awesome to see. I'm really, really, really satisfied that happened. Yeah, I'm happy for them to get that win. It's great for the university. It's great for the school. And it's great for them, obviously, and, and their hard work that they put in. And, you know, best of luck to them as they look to keep on uh, keep on rolling here. So Thursday at noon, ready to go. Yeah. Start pre-gaming right now. Mm. <laughs> no. But some yeah. of us are on vacation. Some of us are at work then. <laughs> so um, going to the professional sports now. In postseason play, the NHL, three of the second-round matchups are set. We're just waiting on those syrup-sucking Canadians to hurry up and get on with it. <laughs> but in the East, you have Boston and New York. In uh, Sorry, the uh, team from Massachusetts and the Islanders <laughs> playing. Uh, the team from Massachusetts is up one nothing on the Islanders uh, after winning game one, 5-2. to two. They're playing game two as we record, so we'll see how that one goes. I do think the team from Massachusetts will probably win this series, but that being said, uh, the Islanders have Barry Trotz as their coach, who's a very good coach, and uh, he'll definitely be able to win at least one or two games, I think, in this series. I think they're going to challenge boss uh, the team from Massachusetts a little bit. I, I like Trotz. I hope I hope he can really challenge him. I hope push to seven at least. I'm not satisfied unless it's seven. In the central, you've got the Hurricanes and the Lightning. The Hurricanes ended up pulling it out in seven games. Not <laughs> confident building for Carolina Hurricanes for me. I like the Lightning to win this series. I'll take them in a gentleman's sweep against Carolina. They're up one nothing right now. Game two is Tuesday night uh, at seven thirty. And I, I just think back to back. Yeah. I just think the lightning, uh, no, they're not playing back to back. Uh, they played Sunday. Oh, they're up one, nothing on the series. They're not up one, nothing right now. Correct. Sorry, I'm not looking at current scores. So yeah. Yes. Yes. So I I like them in a gentleman's sweep. I think Carolina maybe wins a game three or game four at home, but I don't think they're winning a single game in Tampa Bay. I mean, you called Tampa Bay, as soon as they got like a game on the the Ice Cats, there you were like, oh, they're playing pretty good and it's the defending champions. Like they kind of well, woke and, up and they and got they two of their players, players back. back. Yeah, yeah. So you were right on them. We'll see if they continue there. Uh, probably not betting against what you just said. So in the West, we have the Avalanche and we have the Golden Knights. Now this series, come on, Avalanche. This series, game one, was decisively Colorado, as in 7-1 to one decisively, as Ooh. in I'm not sure Vegas had a goalie in the net 7-1 to one score. So game two, they're making them wait till Wednesday, and I imagine that's due to the Canadian teams not being done yet to kind of draw out and make sure there's not one series or one night that has only one game and then three the other night. So... They play in the same building as the Nuggets, though. Colorado does. Correct. The Pepsi Center. That could that could, could also be a factor, but I yeah. maybe. But um, Colorado will win this series. Uh, Vegas kind of struggled with the Minnesota Wild, which surprised me a little bit. They went seven games as well. 
and I think that's going to be a wear and tear that they didn't uh, that the Avalanche just didn't have to have. They they swept the the Blues, and they won't sweep the Golden Knights. I think the Golden Knights are good enough to win a game or two, but the Avalanche are going to win this series, and they Avalanche will... are going to win it all. They're going to win it all. Maybe they're going to be in the Stanley You're Cup. Talking... You're talking to a long-term fan here of the Avalanche. I've been on this team for a good six weeks. You know, that's the Avalanche season. I do like them to play the Lightning in the Stanley Cup final <laughs> if nothing weird happens to where they're going to have to play in a semifinal. Avalanche all the way. Uh, and again, as I said, we're waiting on those damn Canadians to hurry up and finish their series Uh Game seven is actually tonight as we record Toronto playing Montreal at the end of the first period in that game. It is zero zero because it's Canada. So the team from Massachusetts looks like they're getting ready to take a two lead in that series. Mm -hmm. Avalanche. I already told you. Let's go to NBA where Milwaukee has swept and Philadelphia has a chance to sweep. The Wizards, but everyone else, you know, has shared victories. Probably the most high-profile team of the NBA because the NBA props them up this way is the Lakers, two-two with Phoenix, and uh, so that one's going at least six. And uh, I, it doesn't surprise me. I just, I think it's, I just, the Lakers kept talking about how the switch was going to get turned on, and they continue just not to be playing as strong as everybody just assumes they will, and. They're struggling with Phoenix a bit. Um, they lost by eight points without Anthony Davis in game four. I think they're going to be. They're okay. going to not have him in the next game. I think they're going to be fine. They're not going to have him in the next game. Okay. I, I'm not worried about the Suns beating the Lakers. You haven't been from the beginning, and this is going to go six. Okay, good. At least. Good. I hope it does. I hope it goes six. And then the Lakers win, and then they play who, the Blazers or the Nuggets? Whoever wins that series? Sweet. Well, yeah, I'm less concerned about the lower-seeded teams than the Suns after the Suns, yeah. I'm not worried about that. The Wizards, maybe the Wizards win tonight just to be annoying, but even if they do, the Sixers have that series wrapped up. I do like the Jazz to take care of business against the Grizz kids. And um, Boston's got uh, the team from Massachusetts and the Celtics has one more game for the rest of their lives. And then they're going to get eliminated by the Nets. <laughs> that yeah, Nuggets-Blazer series it, is interesting. It's interesting. I was uh, I was going to say this this Knicks-Atlanta series. I think we're seeing uh, Trey Young kind of come alive. I think this is his opportunity that he's been waiting for to get on the – you know, the stage and the playoffs and, and win. And, and he's doing that and he's really putting the team on his back. So um, he's going to need to get more talent around him in Atlanta to oh. really make much of that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think he's kind of reentering his name into a lot of people's minds. We saw him in college play so well, and he's just been quiet since then. I, I, I like this for him individually. I mean, it, it's good for, good for him that he's able to really shine in these wins against the Knicks and in this playoff series, which looks like going to be a win there. I mean, I guess they're going to struggle against Philadelphia just because Philadelphia has so much talent. I just, I just, I don't know. I just, I guess I'm just not going to believe Philadelphia is going to win something until I see them win something. I don't know. 
And I, you still have Brooklyn over on the East, so I just don't think this is the year for Philadelphia either. Yeah, I do think Brooklyn's going to come out of the East. The other series that we should mention that I forgot about um, is the Mavericks and Clippers. And that's a series I don't know who's going to win, and I don't know if I like that team to win another another round. Um, just because... Yeah, I think Utah beats either one of them. The Clippers have been so up and down, and... What are you talking about? They got playoff P. They should be fine. Playoff P might as well not exist in the playoffs. I mean, <laughs> he you might as well cut him when the playoffs start. He is just not... Is the reason good. that he's playoff he is because he just gets his team to the playoffs? Is that like is he that gave himself nickname? that nickname, which is so <laughs> sad because I've oh. heard a lot of different plays on that nickname um, that we won't say on the podcast. But he is just—he's a nightmare to watch. And I was listening to some people on ESPN in the you know two minutes it takes for the car to switch over to my podcast or my Spotify. Um, and the guy's like, you know, you think the Clippers, you know, they're trying to convince Kawhi to stay because their contracts are up and them and Paul George, and you think they'd be more motivated. And I'm like, motivated? The players who are thinking about leaving are the ones that are the team. So if they're not motivated now, what's going to be like, you know what? We really got to win this if we want to stay in LA. Like they already don't <laughs> want to necessarily be there. So that, that whole point yeah. to me, I was like, I don't know, dude. That doesn't make a lot of sense. I can't even name the third guy on the Clippers. So that's going to be an issue if you're telling me, like, hey, he has to play well. Blake Griffin's ghost. Blake Griffin's ghost. Yeah. Around there. Exactly. Like, (laughs) oh, my God. Still out throwing, getting oops, you know, because that's the only Blake Griffin that will get an alley oop is Blake Griffin's ghost. I'm honestly surprised that they're tied to, too. Like, I mean, okay, here they are. Nicholas Batum. Marcus Morris, Rajon Rondo, like, hey, Rondo, we really need you to step up. Okay, well, let me tell you, if you're relying on Rajon Rondo to win you a playoff series, you're going to be out. So Talk about a head case, yeah. Yikes. Um, But, yeah, so I I think maybe the Mavericks find a way to win this series. I bet they do. I mean, I would, would, if I had to bet right now, I'd bet on the Mavericks. Wow. You could, but you won't. Which I appreciate. So, well, yeah, I have to own it all. <laughs> <laughs> Not a chance. So, that's your NHL and NBA. Let's get out of here and go to the B block where we talk with John Leonard and the Valley Baseball League. And this week on the Yak Sports Podcast, we have John Leonard from All Things Valley League and the Valley Baseball League itself with us. So, John, let's preview the Valley Baseball League. Let's just ask you straight out the gate, who's winning? <laughs> uh, who's Joe putting his money on? The Waynesboro <laughs> Generals are going to win. Really? Ooh. Okay, John. I like it. Was not expecting Waynesboro Generals. I, I don't like it at all, but I like that you gave a solid answer, and it's a local team, so that's that's good. I can now use the rest of the season to hit against them and make sure my Braves beat them and talk them talk them up. So there you go. So who will the Waynesboro Generals beat in the Valley Baseball League Championship? Uh, Strasburg. Okay. 
Yeah. yeah the experts will make the finals again and, and come and come up short uh, again. Yes. I mean, I might as well go whole hog on this, right? Like, yeah, sure definitely. Exactly well, this is this is official. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be recorded. We'll go back to it. We'll reference it at yeah. the end of the year when we bring you on again. So, um, and, just and it holds you in regard or holds you in shame, depending on the results. That'll be good. Yeah, I'm just glad Great. you yeah. you knew straight out the gate. Like, this is it. This is what we want. So, I mean, I I'm impressed. I think you crushed it. So. Um, yeah. Well, thanks for coming on, John. That was a, a sure. Good thanks, for, thanks for having me, guys. This is a great time. Yeah, I appreciate it. But seriously, uh, we do want to talk to you now about with what, what makes what makes Waynesboro so good. Why, yeah. why Waynesboro? Why why Waynesboro? Well, I, we might be dealing with a recency effect here because I just talked to Coach Zach Cole um, yesterday or the day before. They mm-hmm. have a really really deep. Uh, a deep staff coming with some really good uh, arms that are going to start for them. And then on paper, they have an amazing lineup. Like I, I think that this I've done, I've done the previews now for 10 of the 11 teams. And I think this lineup looks like the best one, the best one that I've seen of, of all of them so far. Uh, and we know that, that Zach has the, um, has the history as well. He won the title with Newmarket in 2018. Uh, 2019, Waynesboro set the franchise record for uh, best winning percentage. Uh, I think they're going to be really, really good. But with all that said, the, the Valley League usually comes down to uh, how well can you replace the guys that you lose. Mm-hmm. It's, it's typically who, who does the best. Uh, but uh, so far, I'm, I'm mostly I'm, – most impressed with what I've seen from Waynesboro and starting out, starting out deep to begin with can only help that. Um, if you lose in your, some guys, you still have good solid talent coming in still on the roster. That, that's, that's great. So what makes Strasburg so strong this year? Well, Strasburg. Yeah. They're, they're always strong. Um, yeah. yeah, they, they, uh, that's, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I think that what the Neils do up there, like they just they just kind of have it down. I, and what I've noticed more and more in the Valley is some of these, the teams that have consistent leadership year after year tend to be um, tend to be the better performing ones. Um, and I just think the Express they've got some really good hitters coming as well, um, and some good arms. And then they've got uh, George Loft up there going to be their coach and i'm really impressed with him i think he does a great job i think that he'll he'll get everybody playing together yeah Um, interestingly too the express they have two incoming freshmen this summer so two guys that haven't played in college yet uh, a pitcher who's going to oklahoma and an infielder that's going to kentucky and that's going to be really interesting as well so uh, another name that leaps out when I'm looking at your preview for Strasburg here that you've done, and I recommend folks check out at the com for all of them uh, as John works through them. But you're talking about Cam Irvine, who played in Harrisonburg, yeah. is now coming to Strasburg. He is. He is. And he's a and, Scotswood uh, kid. He is a local kid, yeah. Um, and is really coming on at high point. Um, 
George was impressed with how Cam has been playing lately. He might be coming into the summer uh, on a, on the upswing for sure. And then his dad is going to be hanging around the program too, and that that does nothing but help, I think. So, there's uh, this is just a double question. There's two why not why not them questions from me. Uh, the one is my heart. Why not Stanton? And then. And so let's just stop there, and then and then I'll have one behind it. Why not Stanton? I I saw your preview, um, and I I liked what I saw. Like the guys are turning for Stanton, and then you know, and maybe this doesn't relate to, you know, assumption of victory. I like the local guys playing, and especially Grant Painter coming from Riverheads, being a Riverheads guy. I like that, and, and they had a kid from Gap coming. Um, I like the mixture of the returning talent. I liked what I was seeing, and and the the local talent going to be on that roster. Yeah, I think Stanton is going to be fine, and I don't. And and Joe and Leland, you guys know that I don't operate. Like, I'm not going to tell you why Stanton isn't going to win. I'll tell you what, oh, is, come good on. Of, what is good about their team. Love um, it. I mean, these, are all, these, these are all amateur <laughs> players, right? Like, I do yeah. I do everything I can <laughs> to build them up. No, I, I really like what Stanton has coming back. They have more yes. returners than any other team. They've, yes. got, six, they've got six of them. Uh, including the pitcher that they thought was their best pitcher in 2019. Um, and then their glue guy from 2019, who was Ryan McCarty. He's coming back as well. And then Joe and I, do, Joe, do you remember watching the playoff game when uh, Paredes hit the two home runs? I do. He's back. He's coming back. He's coming back as well. So they have a really, really good crew coming back. Um and then I really like their coach too, Caleb Abney, who is new to the Valley, uh, but was a was in the minor leagues as a hitting coach, and has been at Covenant College the last couple of years as a hitting coach as well. I think they're in good hands there. So, so my other one, my, my I'm jumping in on you, Joe, and then I'll get out of your way. But uh, the other one is is Charlottesville. They've they've put on a lot of winning since they've become a team in this league. Um, mm-hmm. What, why? You know what led you to say the other teams instead of them? What what are you not seeing there that would have put you over the edge? Is it is it not enough for training talent? Is it enough not enough pitching? What, what are you seeing there? No, I I just picked Waynesboro because I think Waynesboro is a little stronger, but Charlottesville is going to be very good. And if I had to pick like a one-two in the South, it, it would be Waynesboro one and Charlottesville one A or two. Um, and then in the north, if you want me to finish, uh, I would say Strasburg one and probably Woodstock two. Mm-hmm. Um, although I think Winchester has greatly improved this year. Um, no, wow. uh, I think Jeff Burton and his recruiting over in Charlottesville is amazing. And they have some really uh, high-profile prospects coming from high-profile programs. What's, what's hard to, to see with Charlottesville is with those kids that they have coming from Mississippi State and from LSU and from all yeah. yep. they're young they're younger so they haven't played as much and it's, and it's hard to say uh, for definite that's what's going to happen but they have they have a huge amount of talent coming as well and I wouldn't be surprised at all if Charlottesville finished first in the south over Wingsboro. So, yeah, it's very nice. Um, I'll give you that. Um, <laughs> Charlottesville will be very happy that you complimented like that. But you brought up Winchester, and I have to go back to them for a second, just because that's the team I grew up watching when I was young and getting into the Valley League and the Royals. 
And it's been a minute since they've won a championship. They haven't won since 2004. Um, and for them, uh, you know, what is it that's making you really excited about the Winchester Royals and is going to have folks being loyal to the Royals again in Winchester? The big thing is that they've got three hitters coming from San Jacinto Junior College. Mm -hmm. And all three of them put up really, really good numbers in in, uh, junior college this, this summer. And I'm very interested to see them. Uh, it's Mason Lytle, mm-hmm. Saban Zababos, and Alan Seibley. That's I'm right. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing their names right, but I think those three are going to be dynamite in the middle of the Royal lineup. And you put you put good sticks up there at Bridge at Bridge Fourth. Bridge Fourth. Did I say the name right? Bridge Fourth. Yeah, Bridge Fourth. Yeah, which which is a hitter's park and always has been. Uh, I I think they're going to put runs on the board. All right. Well, John, I want to ask you now, when it comes to the Valley League, this year's interesting. So in addition to having a year off from a pandemic, you add in that Major League Baseball is turning a lot of these former minor leagues into dream leagues, and it's going to be a really exciting opportunity for the Valley League this year. When you've talked to some of these GMs and and owners of these teams, have they said to you that they've had a problem in getting players in this year, or are they getting about the same level or better than they're used to? Uh, it does not seem to be an issue this year. Um, we are losing players, but that happens every year. Uh, I think I think with the extra years of eligibility that have been given to, mm-hmm. to uh, college athletes, there's a bigger pool out there this year. So I, from what I've been hearing from folks, that they think that there's more talent coming to the Valley this year than what might in a, in a normal year, like say 2019 or even 2020. Um, so it feels like this is going to be a really high quality year. Good. Um, maybe, maybe I feel like that every year, but this, this year feels like it's real. <laughs> John, I appreciate that you're an optimist like I am. I, I think we need to, combat Joe and his negativity, even though I started asking you, you know, why not these other teams? Uh, You know, that kind of positivity is what we need more of on this podcast. So I'm I'm glad we have you on for it and and not just Joe saying, uh, you know, how umpires need to be homeless, even though I agree with him with some of these softball ones. Well, I I, I think the the starting of the Valley League season is just really exciting to me because, um, you know, I've done all of these previews and I can see that each team has some quality players coming and you just don't know what's going to happen. You know, who is going to be the guy, um, you know, in 2019, you had uh, Aiden Nagel coming from a community college in California that I had never heard of before on his way to Lewis Clark. And he just annihilates the league and is the MVP. <laughs> like, where did this kid come from? Well, that's just so exciting to see and to think about yeah. what it, what's it going to be this year. Who's going to, who's going to blow everybody away. Well, that is exciting, but I mean, you have told us who's going to win. So, I mean, it's not, you don't, it's not like a total mystery. You've already told us Waynesboro is winning the whole league. So, um, we're going to hold you to that. And, uh, yes, yes, for sure. Well, you could have started with another question. I don't know. I'm I'm just, you know, I'm just answering the questions you guys put in front of me. Not my fault. (laughs) Sure. And, um, so, John, I want to talk to you, though, about, uh, moving away from the Valley League here for just a moment as we get ready to wrap things up. But 
you are a, an avid book reader and you're a huge, you're also a writer. Uh, and I want to ask you, what books have you been reading recently that you would recommend? Well, this is a different kind of question I'm getting from you guys. We try uh, to personalize TV, it a little and bit. We talk, and we talk French French rap music and or African rap music. East African, so, yeah. Nice, yeah. Nice, let's, be, let's be specific. Nigerian rap music. Nigerian. Yeah. See, I, I came back with my French rap, so yeah, that, that was the conversation. But yeah, we, we usually hit you with music and movies. Yeah, hit us with some books. Help, help us be better. Okay. All right. Well, um, I would have to start this conversation with uh, a book by Britt Bennett uh, that's called The Vanishing Half. Okay. Um, it's, it's a work of fiction that, that she just published, um, I think, late 2020. And was just a tremendous book um, about about twin twin girls growing up. It's about colorism and about racism and and uh, you know you you name it. Um, really impressed by her. Um, and I just started reading Kurt Vonnegut's uh, Armageddon in Retrospect, which is his book, uh, his speeches and writings about war. And uh, Vonnegut was. Uh, he was a participant in World War II and was in Dresden, Germany, when it was firebombed and destroyed right at the end of the war. And he survived that, and it and it, uh, it shaped his view on war from that point on. Um, there's no one like when I read Vonnegut, he he just gives me he just um, encourages my own writing, and then he also just really makes me sad as well. Um, and that's I don't. I think that uh, that's kind of the point of writing is to make people feel something. Yeah. Um, and this, I, I would give you a third one here. I think probably um, Yagyasi, who has two books out right now. Um, one is Homegoing, and the second title is not coming to me right now. But she is also she's also a black author and has done some amazing things. Um, her two books are tremendous. And then maybe one more that would be uh, <laughs> you asked me the wrong question, Joe. <laughs> uh, one one more that is prescient to where we are right now with the discovery at the school in Canada with all of with the mass grave. Um, it's a book by Colson Whitehead and it's called The Nickel Boys. And it is about a reform school in Florida where terrible, terrible things happen. And he based it on uh, real schools that existed in the United States. And it's heartbreaking. Um, it's, it's difficult to read, but it's very important to read as well. Mm. So there you go. I think I gave you four, uh, four authors and five different books. Will that do? <laughs> that does it. Yeah. I'll definitely be busy now. Um, although I, the first one you mentioned, I noticed HBO acquired the rights and is probably going to make a mini series. So, um, the Vanishing Half. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. That's exciting. It is, yeah. So I'll probably watch the mini series to give me more time to read these other books, and that'll be the excuse as to why I don't read that one. Uh, okay, whatever excuse you need, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Not that, you know, reading is hard and all that, but, you know. <laughs> reading is hard. 
<laughs> reading is hard. My mom always hates when I watch a movie instead of read the book. So just give her another thing to be mad about. So um, she just wanted you to understand what Willy Wonka could do in that chocolate factory by the book. And, and now you've missed all that. Come on, man. I'm fine. <laughs> I mean, the movie, the movies are almost never as good as the book. No. Yeah. Almost never. I will say the few that I've like read the book before the movie, I do agree with that statement. Um, the dark tower series, for example, love the books. Mm-hmm. That movie should never have been made. They should take all the copies of that movie and set them on fire and never let let it be seen again. Have Have either one of you seen the the movie News of the World that just came out uh, around Christmas time? No, no, with Tom Hanks. I wanted to. No, mm-hmm. that's that's an amazing book as well by Paulette Giles. Um, yeah, that book that book turned me on my head as well. That was a good. Did you see that? Okay, yeah, I wanted. I was wondering how it how it compared. I'm sure not as good, but I just wondered with Tom Hanks in there, and it looked it looked good. So mm-hmm. it, it needs to come down in price a little bit before I spring for it, but I'll watch it eventually. Well, John, thank you for joining us. I will add that before we started recording, you had mentioned that you had texted me that the Sixers were about to sweep the Wizards, and then Joel and B got hurt, and now the Wizards are winning. So, um. That being said, it does look like the Sixers have already chipped it back down to five, and they'll probably still find a way to win, even without Joel Embiid. Um, I mean, to be, to be fair, I just gave you the score. I didn't say that the Sixers were going to sweep. Uh, maybe, maybe it was, maybe <laughs> it was, it was implied. implied. I was going to say, <laughs> you don't really text the score to your friend of another team unless you're implying, like, hey. As a person who's done it. Yeah, Embiid got hurt on the very next play after I texted you, and I kind of feel like it might be partially my fault. So, you know. Just like no hitters. And when Mm -hmm. people watch them and when they say, you know, when someone tweets, hey, if you're not watching the Orioles game, don't turn it on, and then someone turns it on, and then the Orioles give up a hit. (laughs) That was my fault, too. Yeah. 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 I'm usually the one that's that's – texting friends and ruining no hitters though when the yankees had one going the other week i couldn't make it happen uh then doing some of these softball ones recently last weekend both virginia tech and jmu both at the same time were being no hit and i was screaming that it was no hitters and 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 luckily both those got broken up so isn't it exciting that the jmu women are in the the college world series it's fantastic so awesome we love it it is very exciting yeah it's the best it's the best i just hope they can you know Get a game. I I don't like them to beat Oklahoma, but um, you know maybe if After they get Oklahoma game, State or Georgia. Yeah. Yep. And put Odyssey on the mound and just see what happens. What happen, man. She's fantastic. John, I do want to ask you this because you're a positive person. Leland brought it up, and he's right. Um, <laughs> but I don't know if, and Leland decided not to comment after I made my comment about just the sheer joy I got going in. Did you watch the softball game by any chance? I did not. Okay. Well, I'll set the scene or set the scene for you, and then you tell me what you think. So going in, JMU has a big seventh inning, a great call by the home plate umpire. He was on top of it. Odyssey Alexander slid in safe. From one angle, it looks like she's tagged, but you know, I think. I was- that was operating a, a motor vehicle when it happened. I'm sorry, I didn't have a, a, an extreme opinion on this. It I, was a bias. Said, it was a I bias was camera angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a <laughs> bias camera angle, and I don't believe it. 
I'm choosing not to believe that Odyssey Alexander was actually tagged out. The umpire said she was safe, so that's all that matters. Um, He's the closest one there. Sure. And so that led to a huge inning, and JMU has a 7-2 lead going into the bottom of the seventh. Coming out of the commercial break, they have a shot of the Missouri dugout, and one of the girls is like the center of the shot, and you can already tell like the tears are starting. And for me, I just said, I love it. She knows she's not going to win. I love this. One, because she's playing JMU, and she already doesn't have the confidence that they're coming back, which I love. Two, it's just raw emotion in that sports, and that's why I love it. Um, very similar to my you know, comment about having my heart ripped out of my chest as a Capitals fan every year in playoff hockey. But what is your takeaway? Do you ever watch sports and like see the opponent, just the defeat on their face, and just be like, okay, good, we got them? Is that just me? This is classic, Joe. <laughs> I have I have had that feeling when I've watched. Well, I cannot remember the specific case. I remember watching. I think it was a basketball game, maybe a college basketball game, where a team was down, and then I watched them start to bicker among themselves, and I said, "That's it. It's over." But I can't remember a time where it was really with emotion like that. I, my, my favorite that I can think of is we had Grievous Vasquez from Maryland. He was playing at Virginia Tech, and it looked like he was near tears at the free throw line. And they were, like, right in that game. I, know, I mean, there was good Maryland teams with, with, him, with him on it, and we beat them that game because we – I mean, that kid just lost it emotionally. It was awesome. But, see, I'm not talking about, like – saying anything mean or anything to make them cry or get oh, in their we head. We were saying some mean stuff. Yeah, that's yeah, what we I'm were, saying. We like, this is different. That. This is just <laughs> JMU is beating them and has crushed their will. You talk, I mean, you hear football coaches, especially talk about it all the time. Like, Oh, we got to crush their will, break their will, make sure they don't want to come out here. Blah, blah, blah. But like, that was like a genuine moment where I don't necessarily see it on the football field. Um, but there in that shot, I was like, she knows. And I told my friend, you know, I was like, she knows this game's over. And it was the person who did, you know, gave them the sound bite before the series started about, you know, like all we have to do is beat their one pitcher. That's all they have. Um, And she was the last out. She was the fourth hitter of the inning and she was the last out, which I mean, just poetry. And um, lined, lined out the third base. Yeah. And I'll tell you, like as a person who played, not nearly as important of softball games as that in for the church team in rec softball in Frederick <laughs> County. Like I hated the feeling of going up being like doing the math and being like, oh, I've got a great chance to be the third out of the inning. I don't like that. Like <laughs> that gets in my head and I'm like, Oh crap. So um, yeah, I get it. But it was nice to see that on Missouri's face, especially since I wasn't rooting for him. And I, I, I don't know. As a positive person, like Leland described, I guess that was my question. Is that just me, or is that like a, everyone pretends like they're nice until, you know, you got your opponent down, and then it's like, all right, cool, we got them. Yeah, I think it's just you. All right. <laughs> I'm fine no, with that. I, I, my my the sports teams that I root for, and it's well documented on this podcast, and I'm a Philadelphia sports fan. We so seldomly win anything that I, I don't I don't count on anything before that last 
the last out or the la- the horn goes or, you know, I don't believe anything is going to happen until it actually does. So I kind of look at it the other way usually. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, John. And we will bring you on again, I'm sure, once the Valley League gets rolling. Uh, but thank you for coming on and talking Valley Baseball League and, and books and sports with us. We appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me on. It was fun as always. D block time here on the Exports podcast. Again, thanks to John Leonard for coming on and I, I would say just putting up with us. I think that's probably the best way to, to phrase that. Yes. Um, but really looking forward to the VBL season uh, for sure. So uh, glad we could get some insight there from John. Uh, but let's talk about us here in the D block like we normally do. I'm going to go first, Joe, mm-hmm. and talk about uh, what's dominating my life. And, and something dominating my life is, you know, a year ago, a lot was going on in the world. But we also had, um, you know, we talked about a lot on the podcast a year ago. I, uh, we had a whole episode dedicated to the topic of, you know, what was going on with the uh, civil unrest. And rightfully so. You know, we saw video of a, a police officer um, who has since then been found guilty of murdering a person on the street and uh, going well, well above, you know, justice. And that's why we have civil unrest. And and I think a big thing for people like you and I coming out of that is, you know, we talked about on the podcast was listening and talking and being open to conversations and experiencing um, topics of conversation that are different than what we're used to and, and being able to learn from other people. And, and I, it's just hard for me to think back a year ago and then not recognize recently making mistakes and, and you know, stepping on my tongue uh, on the podcast and saying things not the way that, that don't represent the way I feel. So like last week on the podcast, talking about a player, I, you know, I'm trying to say I don't like the player and I, you know, I'm going for some kind of cut down that doesn't even make sense. There's, and I completely don't portray I'm trying to say I don't like a guy because he's a head case and he's just not my favorite player. And I'm, I'm bringing in terms and, and descriptions that don't even apply and don't even make sense. And it can only be take as offensive remarks. So like, I think a big part of what we had a year ago is being able to moving forward, like understand yourself and view yourself and understand when you're wrong. And like, that was a time I was wrong. And, and there's only one way to hear that criticism or hear that pointed out and, learn from it not make excuses and and move forward so part of me saying that this week is acknowledging that and owning it and uh you know that that happened and i was wrong but like also you know putting my money where my mouth is a year ago i sat on this podcast and said how we all need to be listening to each other how we need to learn how we need to analyze what we say and what it means and and do that and so um you know that's where we're at and i think moving that conversation forward and looking at where we are in a year, you know, now we have a guilty verdict for that police officer, which is not a solution, but it's progress. And you have, you know, these things still happening in the world, but the reaction does seem different than it was a year ago. And you see people listening to the idea that how people are being treated in this world or is, is in this country is not correct. And so I'm hoping we're progressing, but you're still going to get reminders that, either yourself or the world is just not progressing or, or always, always perfect. Like you expect it to be. So, yeah. Um, what's dominating my life 
I will talk about the Baltimore Orioles and um, a team that I probably just need to cancel the MLB TV subscription for the rest of the year and not worry about. Um, <laughs> Give me back my money. <laughs> John Means threw a no-hitter a few weeks ago, and when he did that, that moved the Orioles to 15 and 16. One game under 500, very much in the division race. And since then, the Orioles are now 17 and 37. So we've won two games. We have lost 14 straight, which is the longest losing streak in baseball. And we have, let me just confirm, yep, worst record in baseball. So not great. That being said. <laughs> Um, I understand it's a rebuild and I keep trying to remind myself it's a rebuild. Don't get upset. Don't pull your hair out. But sometimes when you're watching games, it's just so hard. And about the only good news that maybe will come from this season is my team did not make the worst baseball play I have seen in my life where a first baseman picks up a ground ball and could have just touched first base to end the inning, but instead starts the runner yeah. goes back home. Anything, anything different. The runner yeah. goes back home, Javi Baez, and the first baseman starts playing along and running him back. And when he's doing it, I'm like, uh, okay. Well, there's a runner on third. There were runners on the corners, I believe, when this – or no, maybe it was just third. I don't know. Or second. I, I'm not sure where the runner started. But anyway, there's a runner running home now. And so then, while they're in this rundown between home and first where there should never, ever be a rundown because there's only one place the guy can go, they throw home to try to tag the runner out sliding home. Well, they don't tag him out. He slides in safe. The catcher picks the ball back up, throws to first, overthrows the first baseman, and that allows the runner to go from a surefire ground out to in the inning to second base on one mental error and a throwing error. And so, just an insane play where at the end of it, I was like, wow, um, that's amazing. And in my group text with baseball friends, the one guy, you know, channeling his inner me, I guess, said everyone involved in that play should have been DFA'd immediately. <laughs> like, you yeah. get rid of them. Yeah, it was bad. Uh, my Pirates doing that. And at least that team has somehow managed to win three more games than your team. That's that's what's sad. Like a team capable of doing something that ridiculously stupid and unexplainable. Still somehow has won three more games than, than the Orioles. But you know what's how crazy? About your... Go ahead. The Baltimore Orioles have scored as many runs as the New York Yankees this year. That team might be in trouble. I hope he gets fired. I hope Boone gets fired. I don't like him. Well, I don't like the Yankees, so whatever. I really don't like Boone. Um, but how about your, you know, your your closet fan team in that division. You always, you always like those rays and look at them nine and one in their last 10 winners of five straight two games up in the division. How about them? Them devil rays. I'm, I'm never going to let it die. They wore the devil rays jerseys this weekend and they looked awesome. hot. They need to wear them all the time. Like when they, they said, awesome. look at what we found on Twitter. And it was, I was like, yes, they wore them. They looked awesome. They won. And I just, you know what? 
I know there's a contingent of people that apparently are offended by the name Devil Rays. Just look. Don't worry about them. You don't have that many fans to begin with. So what's losing a few more over changing the name back to Devil Rays? It's a better name than the Tampa Bay Rays. The jerseys were way cooler. The color scheme was cooler. Just go back to the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. That was some awesome uniforms. I loved them, and I just want them to go back. Just go back. And the Wizards, go back to the Washington Bullets. It's fine. You have had zero success with the Washington Wizards name. Just go back to the Bullets. But did the Devil Rays ever have success until they dropped the Devil? Well, you know what? They haven't won a World Series, so maybe if they brought the devil on, they could win. I don't they've know. Been on, they've been knocking on the door without the devil, so. But you don't they win. They were close when the devil was Don't involved. get rings. Sometimes you got to talk to the devil to get rings, so put the devil back said, in. not today, Satan, and they've gone on to win some baseball since then. Have they won a World Series? Do they they've have They've a lot rings? more winning than they did with, with the devil. I don't think the they gave division. the devil a fair chance. Give the devil his due and put the name back on. <laughs> okay. So, so next week, you can you can analyze what saying that felt like. Um, <laughs> I'm NL not West. scared. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> Bring on the religious the people. Bring them is on. Is the other hard division going on out there? San Francisco. We we all knew the Dodgers and and Padres were what we we're looking forward to this season. The Giants have kind of just entered themselves into that mix. Do I see in September this being a three team race? Probably not. But I'm excited that here in June and July, we're going to get to see those three teams kind of battle it out and see what co- what comes away in that division. Because that San Francisco-LA rivalry is so heated. I mean, it's it's mm. probably the most heated in, in baseball right now because mm. you, you get these fools in the stands fighting each other. But also, yeah. even on the field, there's just a, a good amount of animosity between the Dodgers and the Giants. Um, I, I'm excited to see where that goes. I if I can get another quote of someone hitting the ocean and them yelling at the pitcher about it, I that's that's what I'm here for. It's starting to get to the point where I think the Giants are for real. I don't know if they win the division, but they're going to be in play. I think they're going to be in the playoffs. So uh, good for the Giants. Um, and being a surprise team, I still think the Dodgers are probably the best team in the National League and we will probably figure it out come postseason time. Um, but the Giants have given I, I, them something to think about. I, it's hard for me to count one of those teams out. Maybe we do get all three teams in the playoffs. It, it's it's going to be tough when they play each other so much. Um, just, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm rooting for the Padres. Yeah, so but I'm just like, looking at the other teams in the National League. So, really, you've got a three-team race in the Central with the Cubs, Cardinals, and Brewers. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I trust the Brewers to be there for the long haul. So, I think the Cardinals I mean, and Cubs maybe – the NL East is not getting more than their division winner in. So right. at that chance, up on each other there. no one's that great. Yeah. At, at that point, as long as nobody out of those three teams in the NLS falls flat on their face, I like those three right. teams better than I like any of the other options for wildcard teams. Uh, I, I don't disagree. So it's, I I've enjoyed baseball season this year. I will say I was watching a lot of baseball there as the season began. I talked about on the podcast, I've slowed up the, you know, just the other offerings, turning it over to some playoff hockey even and, and basketball some. Uh, and then this college softball these last two weekends is really, has really dominated what I've been watching and it will this coming weekend. Mm-hmm. And then I know I'll get into the college baseball. I, I generally do. Um, so it, 
I, I have cooled a little bit in my baseball watching. Still very much aware, but uh, just not have been watching as many games. Yeah. And um, the interesting thing here is going to be, now that I'm going to move it away from baseball into what I know that you need to know, a couple big games uh, happened. It was the what they call the richest game in sports, which is the uh, playoff game to determine who gets the final promotion spot to the Premier League. And that was between... I hate when you hide. I hate when you, like, veil soccer talk from me. Like, you you just don't just put soccer talk. You don't just say it's not. You just, like, you get into an explanation before it's it's obvious it's soccer talk. It's Mm -hmm. just... You're welcome. So, uh... (laughs) It was between Brentford and Swansea. Swansea is a team that's been in the Premier League, has American ownership, I think. Um, regardless, they lost. 2 nothing to Brentford. So Brentford won. And the reason they call it the richest game in sports is because the amount of money that you get just for getting promoted to the Premier League in terms of TV revenue versus missing out. So with this, Brentford will be able to make a lot of money. And if you're ever curious about like the economics of soccer and the promotion relegation, and why so much rides on the line for these fan bases and clubs in terms of promotion relegation, I highly recommend uh, on Netflix, and the name has just left my brain, uh, Sunderland Till I Die, uh, on Netflix. It follows the Sunderland Football Club, and it is a great, great story, and you kind of see the just real-world impact it has on that locality in Sunderland about what happens when that team has the results they do and, and everything that goes into that. Now, quickly pivoting before Leland can take back control to <sighs> international soccer. The U S has a big game against Honduras coming up in the CONCACAF Nations league semifinals. Yes. yes. Ugh. I'm worried. Soccer I care about. I'm worried uh, against Honduras we need to win this. Um, this CONCACAF Nations League, there is only one team that you can realistically lose to and me not get upset about it. And Honduras is not one of those teams. So Mexico is the team, in case you're curious. But with the U.S., they played a, a tune-up game against Switzerland, and they didn't have some of their best players because the other match that happened uh, was the Champions League final, which Chelsea won against Manchester City. Manchester City has spent an ungodly amount of money, like a billion dollars, uh, since Pep Guardiola got there, and they have yet to win a Champions League, which is pretty amazing. Uh, they lost this one 1-0 when their goalie came out on an attack, a beautiful pass in, and the Chelsea striker flipped the ball over him, and then netted, slotted it into the net after he leaped over the keeper to score, uh, and Chelsea won that. But Christian Pulisic wasn't there for the U.S., and some of their other top players around Europe weren't there. But losing to Switzerland this weekend 2-1 to one, was a little bit concerning because it's just it's the kind of match that if you're the United States, you don't have your best, but Switzerland doesn't have their best either. So you need to not – that's a game you need to not lose. And to lose that game, now going into the CONCACAF Nations League semifinals, which is on Thursday, I don't know who they have. I don't know who's available. Like, I don't know if they're getting the Christian Pulisics or not. So if they don't have them, I don't like that. Um, 
it, it does look like uh, just clicking on another story here that Christian Pulisic is on the final uh, in the finals. So the final four of the Nations League, he'll be there. So that's good news. But it, you can't lose to Honduras, and you you need to have a good showing against Mexico because if you don't, then this the progression is not there. And then you got to look at getting rid of this coach. Um, it, it's time. The World Cup is coming up next year. It's time to have a strong showing and get ready for that. I hope for that. Surely do. All right, moving over to what has dominated my life, and it's, it's Jeff Wright feeding us good things to talk about on the podcast. Last week we had the office um, top, all, top all-time office list that we were able to go over. This week he sends us a tweet, which I hadn't seen that day and reacted to just the same when I saw it the second time. Most program wins for women's basketball, the JMU women are third on that list behind Tennessee and UConn, the only two teams that anybody can think about when it comes to elite women's basketball is Tennessee and UConn. And that's no disrespect to anybody else on this list that I'm saying that for. UConn and Tennessee dominate. Pat Summit, Tennessee, um, Gino Uriema, I've never said his name right, at (laughs) UConn. Um, That's the class of the class of women's basketball. JMU is third on that list. I just was so proud that they are third on that list. proud for Kenny Brooks, proud for the the women that I've watched play at JMU, including local talent that's been so good. I was just pumped to see that JMU was third on that list ahead of Louisiana Tech, where they had some great players. They haven't been as really any good recently, but they had their long time there. Um, and then Stanford, Texas, Old Dominion used to be a really strong, very strong uh, women's program. They're down at eighth. Um, but yeah, just to see James Madison sitting at second, I was just third. so proud that we have that that or at, sec, at third, excuse me, um, that class of women's basketball in our area, and and proud that I've been able to go watch it as much as we have. So yeah, it's been great. Um, I was surprised to see them on there as high as they were, uh, but you think about the Kenny Brook years and yeah, the the number of years they just went deep, deep, and really didn't struggle in conference and just one game after game and. Uh, it's a credit to him and what he built there. And Sean O'Regan's done a good job picking up. Um, you know, you see some teams there behind him that have kind of been able to put it together in terms of Power Five, and you think, okay, that's going to be a challenge maybe. Um, but it's still quite an honor to see them on that list at third. third. And, it, it, again, it, it's been a great week for JMU Sports in, in the sense that yeah. that list comes out you get national attention for that. You get national attention with your softball team and you, you just got to love what they've been able to accomplish. Yeah. And, and just the, the women's sports of JMU being so strong. I mean, it's a traditional thing. It's not just something that's happened in the last three years. Um, though it has been so great the last three years, I think up at the national level, the lacrosse being so gr- so, so good, the softball continuing the excellent, the, the, and the here, the college basketball that we're talking about, like, and the volleyball, their volleyball has been great. So I just, I love that my, my girls get to see the success that they're having up there. And hopefully one day they can, you know, aspire to play for JMU sports if, if they choose to, you know, if that, if they're into playing sports at, at a high level and that we have that level of play close. And, you know, when you talk about JMU, you know, we always go into this conversation when we talk about football and, and them needing to go up and all that. I, 
in a lot of sports, I'm not worried about JMU when they go up and, and, and it's the women's sports. It's, it's the, yeah. the basketball. They're going to hang in, in, in a lot of conferences that JMU would realistically go to. Uh, they'll be fine in, in basketball and softball um, and lacrosse. Like that's, that could really carry them into a new conference and, and give them, you know, program success, you know, school success. And um, I, I, it's, I think it's awesome. I love it. Uh, and really quickly, in terms of college baseball, that regional bracket came out, and I think I saw Matt Hatfield, who we've had on here before, name will be familiar to listeners, said that uh, if his numbers were correct, that this year broke the record for most in-state schools in the NCAA baseball regionals. At four, you have Liberty, you have UVA, uh, ODU, and I think Norfolk State was the other one. So uh, Liberty is the three seed in the Knoxville region, just like softball. Uh, JMU is not in that region, although good news for Tennessee. Um, Duke (laughs) is the two seed that they're going to have to worry about there. Uh, Looking at the other in-state schools really quickly, VCU actually was, sorry, uh, was in there. They are going to play not so then. We must have five, because I know I saw ODU. Yeah, so we have five. Okay, new record. Um, VCU is the two seed in the Starkville Regional, uh, so Mississippi State is the one seed there. You have the Columbia Regional, which despite being the one seed, ODU is not hosting. They're going to South Carolina, who's the two seed. UVA is the three seed in that region, uh, so... We'll see what happens there. <laughs> I'll be UVA pulling. got playing a lot better. The UVA wasn't spectacular all season, but yeah. they got playing a lot better at the end of the year. I'll be pulling for ODU there. Uh, Norfolk State is in. They're in the East Carolina regional. I don't know. I think I'm in. going for South Carolina out of that region. I, I don't mind South Carolina. Greenville, no. Um, it's an SEC team. That region. Okay, so the Greenville region, get this. East Carolina's in it, North Carolina. Charlotte, North Carolina. Norfolk, pretty close to North Carolina. And Maryland. So that region, very geographically centered. Um, Hopefully Norfolk State wins, I guess. They're the in-state school. Although I don't hate East Carolina. I'll take Norfolk State there. They're not going to win it. I I mean, I'll take them, but I got... Sure. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> we we would like them to win it, but they're not. Gonna. College baseball, it's really hard for me to pick some teams, too, um, because you just look, and for, for my brother and I, it really comes down to when they're playing, what, what are they wearing? What do they look like? <laughs> and, you know, when I'm thinking of teams like the New Jersey Institute of Technology at the four seed, look flashy. You better. Because if you look plain Jane baseball, I'm going to root for you to get bounced by Arkansas in a heartbeat. But if you're wearing something cool, then I can get behind the underdog story. Uh, Northeastern won the CAA, so they're the three seed in that region, by the way. But uh, it, it really comes down to uniforms, and, you know, we'll see what happens. Unfortunately, I wish, I, I, I wish we had six teams in. I wish uh, Virginia Tech, they started off the season hot. They had the, the big a problem, home though. run celebration, but they really fell apart midway through the year and just ended terribly. And yeah, we could have added to the number of Virginia schools. Honestly, if Virginia tech gets in, maybe that means Virginia gets out. Cause Virginia was on the line. I mean, they, they didn't, 
this isn't a, you know, Virginia dominant year by any means. Uh, but I just wish, to, I wish Tech could have kept that up. That was fun watching them play. Um, that home run celebration with the hammer was just awesome. Yeah, their their bullpen was just a problem. So yeah, yeah, they didn't deserve to go. I mean, I'm not. They didn't get cheated. This isn't Seth Greenberg coaching the basketball team. This is they didn't deserve to go, and they don't go. So. Oh, you know, but you know, before we get off college baseball and wrap this up, two more dark horses that I'm going to be pulling for uh, with sight unseen. Um, <laughs> Dallas Baptist, just because it's such a small school, it's a pretty good baseball team because they're usually in the regionals and yeah, they yeah, have the capability really to make noise. Um, so I'll be pulling for them in the Fort Worth regional against TCU. And then also army of West point, just because they're army, they're going to be playing Texas tech in their region, uh, the Lubbock regional. They're going to need some help probably to win. Uh, they're going to need some luck and I hope they get it and they find a way to come out of that region. But, uh, cause if memory serves, uh, I'm going to Google it now, but I remember, uh, their uniforms being kind of cool. So, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. They got the pinstripes. They got pinstripes. pinstripes. I like the font. I like the font they use on the uniforms too. So big fan of army. Um, definitely better uniforms than Navy. Navy's got some plain Jane things, but you know what they really should do. They've got some gold ones too that look pretty nice. But this, of all the teams that wear camo, Army is acceptable. I hate it in football sure. when I'm watching teams wear camo. Sure. Not trying to call out yeah. any local high schools that I know do. But I, it drives me bananas because I just think it looks not good. I don't like the look of it, especially on a uniform. But if Army wants to, I'm down. If Navy wants to, I'm down. Air Force, whatever. It's a military academy. I'm down. Army doesn't my, do that. My, Not my only ad here to the uniform talk, because uh, I, just, I just don't get into as deep as you. I, I do have opinions on uniform. I just It doesn't drive my rooting interest generally. But I do enjoy a game when it's color on color, when JMU was playing Missouri there in that final and it was Missouri in the yellow and JMU in the purple, in the purple. I loved it. And I love whenever we can get color on color. So I do I'll, love if, if I have games to game. choose from in this college world series, when I'm picking games, if I can see a color on color team, that's what I'm watching. Man, if army busts out these like faded gold, Oh, look out. Burn it. Brand. That that's that's a championship jersey right there. I'm just saying. I know yeah. Arkansas is the one seed. Oh, okay. They they I'm don't want Army in that gold Army uniform. Here, so. That's all I'm saying. They don't want Army in that gold uniform. Look good, play good. So, hope you enjoyed this edition of the Yak Sports Podcast. We'll be back with our full uniform breakdown from the NCAA baseball regionals first weekend <laughs> next week. <laughs> but until then, folks, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod, Facebook Yak Sports Pod. Or you can email us, yaksportspod at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. Be sure to tell us what you think, especially in terms of our local high schools and spring sports. Who are we missing out on? What are we not saying? Uh, who are going to be the teams that we're talking about deep into regionals? Uh, as we get closer to that, be sure to let us know. Lila and I love hearing from our audience about that kind of stuff. And in terms of NHL or NBA, if you got a team you like or whatever, let us know if there's anything you want us to talk about. Let us know. Jeff Wright has come up clutch the last two weeks in doing that for us. And we appreciate that. 
Uh, but we we welcome all our listeners to throw topics at us as well. So until then, folks, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the X Sports Podcast, and we'll be back next week. <laughs>